Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I am so excited to be with all you beautiful people uh, today. Uh, My name is Leah Murphy, and I am the CEO and founder of Career Gems for the Journey, where we help talented people build amazing careers in which they are able to thrive and earn the money that they deserve. I know that there are some riders who are here with us, um, with with me and with Career Gems for the Journey for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I am completely in love um, with everyone who has been joining us for weeks and really gathering these gems up so that they can become the professional that they want to be, um, including the type of leader that they want to be. So shout out to all the folks who have been joining us for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then shout out to everyone who's joining us for the first time. Excited to have all of you with me today. And Today is going to be another showstopper. We're going deep on building really strong cross-functional teams. And for anyone who has um, not had the opportunity before, what you'll see at the bottom of the screen here is the link to our newsletter or to our email list. And if you are looking for more content, because it is specialized, tailored content that is really designed for folks who are looking to accelerate and do some exceptional work um, in their career. And it's targeted to professionals who are looking to make some significant changes in the next six to 12 months. Please do go and join our email list, gemsforthejourney.org slash promo gems. If you do that, you will get exclusive email content directly into your inbox. So please go ahead and take a minute to do that while you're here with us. And now we're going to jump into the content. So I had some great, great feedback that came from our last session. In our last session, we talked about um, building cross-functional teams and how critical it is to make sure that folks have folks on the team have clarity of purpose. And we also talked about defined ways of working, right? So for me, those are kind of very foundational building blocks style. And as we continue to build in complexity and as we continue to build in the dynamics that we're trying to navigate in a team, we're going to continue to add on critical, very critical cornerstones to success from a cross-functional team. So we talked about the clarity of purpose and defined ways of working. Very important. Clarity of purpose is what are we doing? What are we committed to? What are we accountable for? And then the defined ways of working is how do we go about bringing that about? How does our day-to-day work and communication transfer from who I am as an individual to the broader team, right? 
What are the ways in which we work and deliver our results? So um, this week, we're going to talk about two new things. And I have a little story to illustrate it. Um, Hopefully, you guys can ride with me on the story because I think it really does a good job to help put things in perspective. So today, we're going to talk about two things. And the first one is decision rights. Decision rights and then stakeholder transparency. So those are big. They sound really formal, right? Formal words. So I want to break them down to make sure that it feels really palatable to you. So what the process that we started a few weeks ago is that we're going to keep these sessions to right around 20 minutes so that all of the content is very digestible and you can go forward and and apply it, right? So it can get into the process of using the information that you're learning so that you can really incorporate it for yourself, right? Because there's always going to be a real-time um, example that might be a little bit different from your experience. So I want to make sure that you have a chance to reflect um, and make it digestible enough so you can think about the best way to apply the information that you're getting today. So decision rights. What is decision rights? What does that even mean? Decision rights means um, in a corporate environment, Oftentimes, there are layers, right? There is a matrix organization. There are multiple different people at different levels in the organization. And then there are lots of people who are um, your peers laterally throughout the organization. So a matrix organization has some layers and some complexity that you have to learn when you join that organization. So you understand who reports to who, who has a dotted line reporting structure, maybe. So there's hard line reporting structure, which is normally a manager or a supervisor, which is really clear. The manager and supervisor kind of is responsible for a distinct group of people, maybe um, a specific team that they have accountability for. Then there are dotted line relationships where it's, I don't report to you, you're not my manager, but we do work together and ultimately my work um, impacts the work that you do as a leader in the organization. So maybe um, an example of that is when I was on a team, I worked in procurement Um, and procurement is where we do all the negotiating with all of our external third party suppliers. So our role was to talk to people on the outside, get a price, and then make sure the price was the most advantageous price for the company, and then make sure we could secure getting the right materials to make our product. So I worked in procurement. I had a team of six buyers that actually reported to me in procurement. And then I had two analysts that were on another team, but the analysts helped to do research and helped to bring in information. They didn't report to me. They were dotted line to me. So my five, sorry, my six buyers were hard line direct reports my analysts that supported me were dotted line. So when I talk to you about understanding decision rights, those dotted line analysts had to still be informed and aware of what I was doing, what my team was doing, and what was critical in order for them to continue to provide us useful information and us to continue to service our customer, who's ultimately the company. So when I talk about having... um, stakeholder transparency and decision rights, the two go together very much because in that analyst's role, they have me as a stakeholder, although I'm not their manager. So I'm a stakeholder because I am invested in the work product that they produce because it impacts the way I do my job, the way I lead my team. But they need to know, right, that I am a stakeholder, though I'm not their manager. 
And as you're building a team and as you're adding new people or adding new capabilities and competencies on the team, understanding who your stakeholders are and what the decision rights that go along with your role and your stakeholders can really be a game changer in how people are measured, right? You can produce great work, but if your stakeholders are not informed, if your stakeholders don't value or weren't weren't bought into the choice to do this type of work, they may still give you feedback that is concerning or less than admirable in your mind because they were not clear. The stakeholder decision rights relationship was not clearly identified. So I've said a lot. I'm going to illustrate this in an example. Told you guys I had a quick story for you. I worked on a team years ago and the team had a uh, traveling role. We had a base, a home base location in one place, but we would travel all over the U.S. to support different uh, manufacturing locations. So that team was composed of seven people, seven people, all really talented, really good at what they did, very capable. I led that team. We had a fantastic sponsorship. We had a great leader in the organization who was very much invested in our work, very much set us up to be successful very much advocated for us in the organization. So that, so the fact that we were away from the office often did not mean that people didn't know what we were working on and also um, meant that people could tap into this leader to say, is there value being created by these people? Great sponsorship relationship. That leader um, helped to form the team, helped to get us started, helped to make sure that I, as a manager of that team, were able to hand select some of the members of the team, and some of them I I adopted. They came from other parts of the organization because they were interested in the role, right? So that's a clear example in the first way. You don't always get to pick your team. Some people you adopt, and some of those personalities and styles, you're working as a leader to make sure that they work together and that they gel and that people get to fire on all cylinders at the thing that they're really good at. That's what I saw my responsibility as a manager is to equip the team with what they needed, make sure that we had our gaps filled and to remove any barriers that may have been in the way of my team delivering the results they were looking for. That's what I saw as my responsibility. So fast forward, this leader is a huge advocate of me as well as of the team, um, but he gets a great opportunity. He leaves the company. Great opportunity, leaves the company, decides to do something else, um, fully acknowledges that you know, he believes that we can continue to do, you know, excellent work. When the new leader comes in, a woman um, who had was not familiar with the team, was not familiar with the work, had come in from an international location and wasn't really familiar with the work that we were doing. Now we had a stakeholder change. So we went from a team that was very well received, very well acknowledged, delivering exceptional work. You know, people were looking forward to us um, helping to support them because we, you know, we got in there and really was able, were able to get results. But when this new leader came into play, she did not understand the value. She did not understand the stakeholders and she didn't understand the decision rights. So because she didn't understand them, she assumed that they needed to be influenced. They needed to be changed. When she made the changes that she made, now this team no longer has the same value proposition. So she did the things to make herself feel comfortable, right? Because she wanted to be aligned in a different way, in a much more formal, much more structured way, so that on paper, 
um, we were checking some of the right boxes. But in action, we no longer had the power and decision rights that we needed in order to deliver results for the places uh, and the manufacturing locations that we were supporting. So here you have a team that was that is no longer effective, but you still have a talented group of people. So now you have this talented group of people who was getting great results, but because the decision rights and the stakeholder alignment fell apart when the new leader came on, now you have a team that is perceived as not adding value to the organization, which is very, very damaging to the morale. Um, because if you, ha- if you have two to three years of doing great work and people essentially um, looking forward to you supporting them, and then there's a shift um, in perception, now those team members are deciding, should I stay on this team? Is it worth it for me? Because the decision rights and the stakeholder value proposition isn't there. They, we no longer had the support that we needed to be the team that we were. So the decision was, do we figure out a way to morph and evolve into this team that the new leader um, sees and has a vision for, or do we decide to make another choice for ourselves in our career? So it is it, for me, it's a really clear and simple example of it's not that the quality of the work was diminished. It's not that the results that we had already delivered weren't acknowledged. It was a stakeholder understanding that shifted. And what could have happened, what could have been possible if she would have joined the organization and said, let me take a step back. Let me learn. Let me talk to the other stakeholders in the equation who they have been supporting for months or weeks or years. And make sure that I get their perspective before I make any changes. That wasn't the choice that she made. And the outcome was we no longer had the right stakeholder alignment and support. So now the team is perceived as not valuable, you know, even moving moving a little further, expendable, right? Do we really need to keep this team? Are they valuable anymore? So having right stakeholder, stakeholder alignment and decision rights for who gets to decide what the feedback is, what success looks like, how much latitude do you have in order to take a chance, take a, take a calculated risk um, in order to get a big win or in order, in order to learn something that's really important. Once those things are defined for your team and communicated well and well shared, you have the potential to build a team that is exceptional. If you are never clear on your decision rights and you don't have clear stakeholder alignment, especially in the vertical, in the manager, senior manager, director, vice president, senior vice president, if that's not clear, the team is never going to be able to be successful. They may deliver results, but it may not be perceived as valuable to those people who are stakeholders. It is essential. It is essential to make sure that you have your decision rights aligned, who's deciding what, who has the power to veto, right? Who has the power to say, it's a no-go, it's not happening. And who has the power to say, green light, we're going to move forward. Who is that person in your organization? And are you clearly aligned with that person? And then stakeholder alignment, which is do the right people in the organization understand what you're doing and value what you're doing such that you are able to have their support. So you can go forward and do your job because the right people are aligned. So I would love to see more organizations and I would love to be a part of organizations doing this work in order for their team members to be to not be burdened with trying to explain the why behind every decision that they make or trying to justify every time 
you know, we take a calculated risk in order to move the organization forward. When you have stakeholders who are clear and who are advocates, even if they don't fully understand that clarity and the advocacy is because they have confidence in the people who are doing the work. And I'd love to see more leaders take the step back um, and manage their own perception first, manage their own ego to say, how can I be educated better to be successful and help this team be successful, even though it may not look exactly the way that I think it should today. That's not to say that it can't change, that it can't evolve, but to make significant sweeping changes to a team before you've fully been under, um, educated on what the team does and what value they bring to the organization can be extremely detrimental. What ended up happening is all the members of that team left. Um, I was able to, to take on a different role within the organization. Others decided to leave the company altogether. Others decided to um, make a choice to go back to other departments. The team essentially disintegrated because those decision rights and that stakeholder alignment wasn't there with the new leader. And these are people that I had personally chosen, had an opportunity to work for, um, work with, and had an opportunity to partner with, right? Work side by side with. So I knew their capabilities were there. It was the stakeholder alignment and the decision-making that had gotten broken. When the previous leader left and the new leader arrived, that relationship got broken and was not able to be mended because the new leader wasn't open to it. She had a distinct vision for what she wanted to go forward with. And we didn't have the influence in the organization to be able to get her back on track to where we were before. So we're wrapping up here. Key takeaways from this discussion are, number one, make sure that your stakeholder alignment in the organization is clear. Who is in your vertical and your direct reporting structure? We talked about hard lines. And who are those dotted line leaders in the organization where maybe you don't report to them, but you do have a direct influence over the work that they do. So you need to make sure that everybody gets on the same page. Those are your stakeholders. They may not be your manager. They may be someone in finance. They may be someone in operations. They may be someone in, in accounting. They may be someone in a different department, but they're a stakeholder because your work impacts them directly. And every time your team makes a different choice, that person is impacted. So bringing those stakeholders together as an overarching leader of the team and making sure those stakeholders' needs are clear and are getting met and fit into that clarity of purpose that we talked about last week is an absolute game changer. Uh, and the last one was decision rights. Understanding who has the power to say yes to you moving forward, getting additional funding, knowing where your budget is going, and who has the power to say no. We're going to veto. We're not going to do that project. We're not going to make that travel assignment. We're not going to commit to taking on that additional work from the team. Once you know who has those decision rights, now you know who you're influencing in the organization. And now you have to understand what their priorities are so that their decision rights reflect moving barriers out of the way for you to do great work as a leader. So really rich topics to talk about today. Hopefully you guys had an opportunity to kind of grab some of those gems. And this is an ongoing series where we're fo focusing on building really strong cross-functional teams with a broad business understanding. So continue to come back. Um, this was part three. We're going to do part four, part five, and there might be a bonus in there for you. And as you're thinking about this particular content, if there's someone who you think has experienced some confusion in decision rights, or if there's a new leader in your organization or you aspire to be a leader, share this with someone who you believe could help 
or, or could use some of these gems as we think about building really strong cross-functional teams. If you can get these foundations right, and we've gotten up to six of them so far, if you can get these foundations, these building blocks, these brick layers into your organization, you will have a phenomenal team with results that will outpace their peers. And also you'll have a team that wants to work well together successfully. You'll be looking forward to partnering with one another. Now, I'm not saying you're going to have best friends at work because that's not for everybody, but certainly having decision rights, um, stakeholder clarity, and all of the other building blocks that we've already talked about and that we'll build onto will literally transform your team and the results they're able to deliver. It will, go, it will make any team go from mediocre to exceptional performance if you as a leader can put these things in place. And I'm here to help you put those things in place and help you influence your higher up structure to make sure the right investments are being made so that you can build an amazing team because that's what we're here to do at Career Gems for the Journey. So. Thank you for riding with us. It has been dope as usual. Please do share this content um, with two or three people that you think are looking to be leaders and have the potential to be an exceptional leader um, once they get these building blocks in place. I would love to support them and I'd love to support you. We are so excited that you chose to join us for the Career Gems for the Journey podcast. Please do take advantage of going to gemsforthejourney.org to find additional resources for you to connect with us and resources for you to grow your career. If you're interested in joining our mailing list and getting content directly to your inbox, take advantage of joining us now at gemsforthejourney.org slash promo gems. That's gemsforthejourney.org slash promo gems. And you will get more amazing gems directly into your inbox. If you're looking to connect with us, please do take advantage of an opportunity to tap into us on LinkedIn. We're also available on YouTube and on any other platforms. We would love to hear your comments. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and career gems for the journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.